0: and you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, December 18th, 2018. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Peterson. Hey, what's going on? And Writer Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, guys, we, uh, you know, it's slow news week because we're entering the holiday week and uh, Hollywood kind of, kind of shuts down early, but we do have a bunch of things to talk about today and we're going to open with some sad news, and that is that Penny Marshall has died. Uh, Penny Marshall is obviously an actress, director, and producer. Uh, she, um, she uh, you know, it's probably... I guess probably best known for playing Laverne in Laverne and Shirley in the the late seventies, early eighties, which she won three, which she was nominated for three golden globe awards. Uh, she progressed to directing in the eighties, uh, and and directed some big films. Her first film was jumping Jack flash, but she directed big, which was the first film directed by a woman to ever gross more than a hundred million dollars at the U S box office. Uh, she directed awakenings um, riding car with boys uh, a week of their own Renaissance man and men man rather sorry uh, and she produced produced films like Cinderella man and bewitched uh, I you know grew up watching big and uh, a week of their own those were movies that were on repeat at my household and um, Yeah, uh, uh, I think uh, we don't have an official cause of death, but I I believe a few years ago, like in 2010, she had been diagnosed with lung cancer that had uh, metastasized to her brain. But then in 2012, uh, it it was reported that she was in remission. So I'm guessing like everybody in this world, cancer, you know, finally took her. Uh, Ben, do you have any memories of Penny Marshall? Uh, I grew up watching Big as well. That was a big one
0: for me and my family. No pun intended. Uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash, I actually have fond memories of even though because I, I also watched that movie as a kid that came out in 1986. And I think I must have seen it probably when I was 12 or something. And I haven't revisited it since, but I remember really, really liking that movie. I have no idea how it holds up. Uh, I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen A League of Their Own. That's like one of my big um, sports movie blind spots. I don't know. I grew up playing baseball, so you would think that I would have just seen it uh sort of absorbed it through osmosis at some point but i just i never I, somehow i never saw the movie so uh in penny marshall's honor maybe uh, now is finally the time for me to get around to making time for that one but um yeah she was she was great
1: yeah i feel like one of the that was one of the movies in like the 90s that was on hbo on repeat and it was just like on my tv at all times um chris how about you
2: I mean yeah out of all of those I honestly I think a uh, league of their own is my favorite. I actually think a league of our own is probably like the best baseball movie ever made. Like I can't think of like I mean there're obviously a lot of good baseball movies but I honestly think that's like the most entertaining of all of them ever made. Like that's the one if someone says think of a baseball movie that's the one that would immediately spring to my mind is a league of their own.
0: This week, Peter, it, it looks like she had uh, a documentary in post-production called Rodman about Dennis Rodman. So I wonder what's going to happen huh. with that. Um, so, I, yeah, I have no idea. I've never heard of that project before, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
1: Yeah, interesting. Uh, this week is also the week that they typically release the, uh, the Blacklist, which I'm sure many people out there don't know. We live in Hollywood, so we <laughs> hear about this every year. But, Ben, tell us what The Blacklist is. Yeah, so the blacklist
0: is an annual uh, list that is is uh, it's basically the best unproduced screenplays of any given year, and this has been going on for a long, long time. And it basically it surveys like a bunch of film executives and assistants and agents and all that kind of stuff. At least that's what it did in the past. I think this year it looks like it's it surveyed over 300 executives who basically just vote on their favorite scripts of the past year that didn't get produced yet. And a lot of times it's stuff that definitely will get produced in the future. Like Inglorious Bastards was on there one year, for example. And I think it just made the list because technically it was completed in that year and sort of like made the rounds to all the agencies, but didn't actually get produced within that calendar year. Um and then other times Although, it'll be
1: it should be noted when this list started in two thousand four, it was rather small and a lot of those Projects, you know, were were things that probably wouldn't have gotten made. So, like, you know, it has become that thing where like has a lot of stuff that's gonna get made at this point. But if in its early years, you know, it helped, you know, get movies like uh, Juno and and stuff made. Right, and and so this year,
0: the list came out yesterday, and we um, sort of broke down all of the entries, and they're all organized by votes and, and all that stuff. But there are some really fascinating sounding projects here. Um, So one of the ones that I wanted to highlight is called Harry's All Night Hamburgers. It's written by Steve Desmond and Michael Anthony Sherman. And I'll read the synopsis real quick. A down-on-his-luck high school senior discovers that the old roadside diner outside of town is secretly a hangout for parallel universe travelers. He sets off on a mind-bending adventure across the multiverse that takes him beyond his wildest dreams. So... I mean, a lot of this stuff is just log line based and and, you know, they give you the writer. And if you don't know anything about these writers, all you have to go on is this one or two sentence summary. So it's kind of like a perfect version of the movie as it exists right now in your mind, because the possibilities are really endless for a lot of these things. It's like, man, this could be. This could be great. This could be, you know, a direct-to-DVD
1: disaster. But right now, all of it sounds kind of magical. So, yeah. And that um, log line is, like, so broad and vague that, it, you know, it sounds so magical. Like, you're, you're filling in, you know, the gaps, uh, you know, between the lines in your mind. Uh, yeah, it, for sure. It should be mentioned that the, the, the one that got the most votes was this uh, script, Called Frat Boy Genius by Alyssa Kearsick, mm-hmm. and uh, this is about a disgruntled employee of Snapchat that tells the rise of her former Stanford classmate, preeminent douchebag and current boss Evan Spiegel. So basically, it sounds like it's uh, the social network for Snapchat. Are, are we ready for a you know the Snapchat movie? <laughs> I mean, if it's as good as the Social Network, then yeah, bring it on. <laughs>
2: I mean, yeah, I I want to immediately say no, no Snapchat movie. But yeah, the, the social network is always that great example of, oh, they're making a Facebook movie? That sounds dumb. And then it's like one of the best movies <laughs> of the 21st century. So I, I, I don't want to jump to a conclusions, but I'm not that excited about the Snapchat movie at the moment.
1: If you're not excited about that, Chris, how about Drudge by Cody Broder? And this is the story of how oddball internet reporter Matt Drudge Broke the uh, Lewinsky scandal and nearly took down a presidency all from a desktop computer in his one-bedroom apartment in Hollywood.
2: I mean, that it, it really depends on how they portray Matt Drudge because the Drudge Report is awful. It's like you know this conservative, far-right shithole that just publishes really inflammatory stuff. So if they're trying to make a movie where he's like, like <laughs> some heroic. Uh, like journalist I don't want to see that but if it's a movie that points out you know how crazy everything is then yeah maybe that'd be interesting if it's if it's critical of him I will I will see that
1: I hate to dismiss journalism but I just picture the movie being like a one minute short with him in his bedroom and he receives an email and he just like posts it on on the blog and then it's the end (laughs) okay I know that was so dismissive of, of what
2: Yeah, I I don't know what that story could—I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't want to see it. Get it off off the blacklist. (laughs) Ben,
1: what are some other interesting ones?
0: Uh, There's one called Get Home Safe that's written by Christy Hall, and the logline is, A young woman must get home by herself on Halloween with no cell phone battery and a group of Gamergate trolls out to get her. So that sounds— <laughs>
1: pretty did, did, inflammatory. Um, do enough so... people out there like know what GamerGate is? Like, I, I mean, I, I'm sure our listeners do, but like, does mainstream
2: America know what GamerGate is? I mean, think articles on it and stuff. So I think they have like a general idea. I don't think they realize how pervasive and toxic it was. But maybe that's why we need a movie like this to. To, uh, uh, you know, inform the masses.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably right. And maybe it's just used as sort of shorthand in this description. Yeah. But in the movie, it won't necessarily get into, like, all of the <laughs> origins of Game Brigade and all that stuff. Because that would sort of bring a movie to a halt. But um, there's one called King Richard that is written by Zach Balin. It's the true story of Richard Williams, the hard-nosed and uncompromising father of tennis prodigies turned superstars, Venus and Serena Williams. So that one is, is very high up there in, in the votes. Uh, one that's a little lower that I'm interested in is called Queen and Slim, and it's written by Lena Waithe. It's the story of a black man and a black woman whose first da- first date goes awry after they're pulled over by a police officer at a traffic stop. After killing the police officer in self-defense, they decide against turning themselves in and go on the run. Um, so that sounds really interesting. And Lena Waithe is like a super fascinating uh, up-and-coming filmmaker, uh, writer, TV you know uh, actress extraordinaire. So I'm I'm all on board for whatever she has coming up.
1: You know, there's a lot of like biopics and stories of true stories that involve like politics and stuff like that on this on these blacklists. One of the the scripts on here, I think Chris was mocking this in our Slack channel yesterday, is called "The Kings of Cool" by John Dorsey, and the, the log logline for this is: During segregation in the in the 1960s American South, a nerdy teen tries to win a student election at an all black high school but he'll have to defeat a blossoming, bad, uh, blossoming badass named Samuel L. Jackson to do so, based on a true story. Yes. Uh... <laughs> why, why do you hate this, Chris?
2: All right. do well, not going to say I hate it, but first of all, who were you possibly going to cast to play young Samuel L. Jackson? Like, there's only one... Samuel L. Jackson. I can't imagine anyone playing him, even if he's supposed to be, like, you know, young. Well, uh, too- they're
1: already using de-aging technology in Captain Marvel, so maybe <laughs> he could play himself. That's as-
2: awesome. all right. If they do that, then I'm all in on this movie. Oh, my but- God. Like, him who- as playing a 16-year-old version of himself, <laughs> that would be incredible. Yeah, that I would see. But my other complaint is... Like, this movie is, based on that, that description, it's told from the point of view of of the nerd. But who the hell would watch a movie and root for some nerd over Samuel L. Jackson? Like, they would just be like, oh, I can't wait for Samuel L. Jackson to beat that nerd. Like, it should be reversed. It should be about Samuel L. Jackson beating some nerd. That should be the literal plot of the movie. Samuel L. Jackson beats a nerd. The movie. <laughs> um,
1: there's another one that was horrible on here that I want to bring up. And it's called Please Maternity Leave. And this is a comedy, I, I assume it's a comedy, <laughs> about two friends who try to get their third friend pregnant so that they can stop hanging out with her.
0: Huh.
2: No? Like <laughs> I mean, well, that, that punny title is... Uh... Terrible, but uh, I actually could see this actually being okay if they play it like really, really dark, like if it's an extremely dark comedy. But if they try and make like this a light thing, then it would be terrible. Here's one that
0: I just noticed, Peter, that sounds kind of like a Blumhouse movie in the making. It's called AMA Ask Me Anything by John Wickstrom. A highly publicized AMA, like a Q&A session, between a fast-rising publicist and an aging music icon quickly turns into a deadly game of cat and mouse when the event is seized by a hacker who systematically begins revealing dark secrets from both of their pasts, forcing them to publicly confront the horrific events they've committed on the largest social media platform
2: in the world. Hmm. That sounds like it's going to be one of those uh, computer screen movies where it's like all yeah. on the computer screen. Screen life, baby. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's what we're calling it now.
1: <laughs> and then there's this other one, Little Fish by Matson Tomlin, which is about a couple who are fighting to hold the relationship together as a memory loss virus spreads and threatens to erase the history of their love and courtship. So that sounds very like, uh, I guess, Eternal Sunshine-ish
2: to me yeah a lot of these the pattern here is you know if the things aren't biopics a lot of them just sound like they're following this this template where it's like take an everyday thing and then throw some weird fantasy element into it like it's Bob's first day of school. Also, the school is underwater. That's what these all sound <laughs> like me.
1: <laughs> I think you've you've caught on to the the, the key to making it onto the blacklist. It, there was one that you wanted to mention, like the Bob Ross one.
2: Yeah, there's a movie about like it's like basically the rise of Bob Ross, and I would love to see that because. Uh, I love Bob Ross and not even in like an ironic way that some people seem to love him. I just love watching, you know, those old Bob Ross specials where he's very soft-spoken and he's painting these uh, idyllic landscapes. And he's just like the nicest man in the world. Like I'm very curious to see a movie about him becoming like he became basically this, this legend by doing this, this, you know, public access painting show. And the fact that he somehow became, you know world-renowned is interesting so i would see a movie about you know, that
1: I, I don't want to sidetrack us here but I, I do want to bring this up like i i feel like so many people you know at halloween this year were dressed as bob ross you go to comic cons people are, are dressed as bob ross i feel like this whole you know I, I don't feel like like all these people watched bob ross as a kid or when they were younger, like is it hipster of me to kind of be annoyed? Like you knew Bob Ross before they knew Bob
2: Ross? Yeah, I I see what you're saying. I do think there is some of that where it's like this ironic thing. I mean, you know, there was like the Deadpool trailer where he was Bob Ross. And I do think a lot of people just think it's funny, but I also think there are people like me who generally, you know, and you, you, like we grew up with it and we we have a general affection for it. So I, I think it's a mix. Ben, do you have one last one to
1: close us out of the blacklist?
0: Um, Let me see. Let me see. Uh, Actually, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, You mentioned Mattson Tomlin, and there was one that I wanted to highlight because he actually has multiple movies on here on the blacklist this year. Uh, One of them is called Kill the Leopard. And the logline is a henchman turned terrorist has a bone to pick with an idolized vigilante. When he takes over control of a city skyscraper, the hero known as the leopard comes to the rescue. But when both the terrorist and the leopard are overtaken by the hostages, a kangaroo court evolves as the hostages navigate (laughs) their complex histories with the vigilante. So that just sounds like wildly chaotic and maybe uh, a commentary on modern superhero movies. I'm not really sure, but uh, it sounds fascinating.
1: See, see, as you're reading that, I just hear the formula that Chris outlined in my head, like being, you know, with other words. I think, yeah, I think I got to write something.
2: that script underwater school on next year's blacklist. It's coming. I, th- I think, Chris, I have I hate to be the bearer
1: of
0: bad news, but I think a movie came out last year called my entire high school is as fallen Screen. underwater or something. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: actually, I thought it was just a title. I didn't realize it was like literal. They were literally I, underwater. I think that's literally what the plot of the movie no. is. All right. So, all right. It's Bob's first day of school, but the school is on the moon. <laughs> and it turns out
1: he's Bob Ross.
2: Yes, yeah. based cool. on a
1: true story. All
2: right, we got it.
1: <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's talk about this uh, Marvel Netflix thing because I know we've been talking about it in the past. We're tr- we're still trying to figure out what happened here. Who canceled uh, these Marvel Netflix shows, and uh, will there be a future for them? So, Chris, why don't you start us off and tell us, uh, you know, what is going on here?
2: Yeah, this is a nightmare. I was saying in the the Slash Film newsroom, aka our Slack earlier today, that I'm just going insane because it seems like literally every day the story changes and it's clear no one really has a handle on what's entirely going on here. First we heard, you know, well, not really heard, but first it was assumed that Marvel were the ones who pulled the plug on Daredevil, but now we're hearing from a cast member, uh, Amy Ruthberg, is saying it was definitely Netflix who decided on this. Now I, I say this in the story and I want to point this out here. Amy Rothberg had a very minor part on Daredevil so much so that I actually had to look up who she was playing and I've watched all three seasons. So I don't really know how in the know she is, but uh, I don't want to say she's lying. So let's say she's telling the truth and she's heard it through the grapevine that definitely – netflix canceled the show so now should i move on to disney plus yeah yeah tell us uh w- w- could
1: wait what w- what is the future of these shows like could they go to disney plus
2: all right so when daredevil got canceled it it came accompanied with this kind of cryptic message saying you know the stories aren't over and daredevil will return in some capacity which led everyone including us at slash to assume that Maybe these cancelled Netflix Marvel shows would end up on uh, Disneys streaming service Disney Plus. However, a story came out a few days ago saying that uh, due to like contracts, no uh, disney no Netflix Marvel shows can go to another network or another channel for at least two years. So legally, they can't go to Disney plus. And I, oh,
0: I, 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 oh th- chris, I, uh, but I, I beg to <laughs> differ about that because. Oh. The the latest update actually came today in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter. The new head of Disney+, Plus, his name is Kevin Meyer, was asked about this. And he was asked specifically if he would consider reviving these Marvel shows that Netflix canceled. And he said, they are very high-quality shows. We haven't yet discussed that, but I would say that's a possibility. So, again, th- th- it's pretty vague, <laughs> but it does seem like now th- that idea is on the table that these shows could k- theoretically make the jump to Disney Plus. So I mean that might it's going to happen in 2020 or later if it does happen. But like
1: what the hell is going on here? Peter, do you have any insight into this? I don't know. I predict later this week we're going to have a quote from a Hulu executive saying that it's possible that the shows could end up there. <laughs> the story is just going to keep on continuing. But I, I do know some people that have uh, some filmmakers that have deals at Netflix and that two years clause is a pretty standard thing there. Like uh, that, um, if they want to make something with the property that they have signed up with Netflix, uh, if they cancel it, they have they have to wait two years for a non compete. So mm-hmm. that sounds reasonable. I am very skeptical of it ending up on Disney Plus because, you know, those Marvel Netflix shows are kind of uh, more adult. Oriented, and uh, we know that Disney Plus is going to be kind of more family friendly. And I think Disney has already said that they're going to keep like the more adult stuff on Hulu, so I, I feel like it's going to end up on Hulu. But you know, if it actually, I don't even know that, like they could just end this because for all we know, it, it sounds like I don't know, it, it, reading between the lines behind the scenes, you know, Kevin Feige's not involved in these. Marvel Netflix shows Uh, Jeff Loeb is kind of like heading those up and there's kind of like some friction between those two factions and uh, Feige's involved with all the Disney plus Marvel shows that are in development now so I'm not sure uh, does Disney even want to save these
0: and like Peter what do you think is the benefit of these uh, executives like are they trying to use this possibility as some sort of bargaining chip or like why would they not just outright come out and say these shows are dead for good you know what's the benefit in in stringing
1: everything along like this well the benefit is these shows or at least daredevil has a lot of fans and i think you know saying it's dead probably would upset them (laughs)
2: i mean the, Do really they care that much though like they're, they don't like what, what's the worst thing that could happen if they said it's definitely dead like what's gonna you know what are they gonna take to the streets <laughs> storm the, the marvel offices I don't, I don't know i don't know i wish we could know what
1: is actually going on here but i know netflix has these massive ndas like i i, I was at the magic castle last night i did some tricks for some people that work in Netflix and they're working on an announced project in the future, and literally they're like that's all we can say because of our nDAs so um I'm sure that we're not finding out about all this because of all the you know behind the scenes legal tape around it but i'm 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 also sure that you know within the next week we'll have an update on this situation so uh stay tuned um let's move on to another bit of streaming. Amblin Entertainment, Steven Spielberg's company, is turning Akira Kurosawa's classic Rashomon into a TV show. Ben, tell us about this.
0: Yeah, so uh, Rashomon came out in 1950. It's like universally hailed as one of the premier pieces of Japanese cinema. It's widely considered one of the best movies ever made. Uh, You guys, even if you've never seen Rashomon, the effect that this movie has had on Really all things, all aspects of popular culture has been uh, almost unmeasurable. There's uh, the term, the Rashomon effect, which has been applied to any story that is told from multiple distinct perspectives, because that's what happens in Rashomon. It's it's, uh, a movie that takes place uh, that explores a single event, the rape of a woman and the subsequent death of her husband from a bunch of different points of view, and you sort of learn The subjective truth or or try to get to the bottom of the subjective truth along the way. So that's the basic premise of the movie. And now Amblin Entertainment is making a Rashomon TV show. So it sounds like from the descriptions that we have from Deadline's report that they're basically just going to be taking that structure from the movie instead of actually retelling the exact events as they happen in the film because according to Deadline, the plan is to make each 10-episode season focus on a singular event told from multiple points of view. The differing characters' perspectives will allow the audience to come away with the truth behind each mystery. Uh, We don't know how many seasons they're planning, but um, they are basically just looking to use this storytelling approach uh, as the foundation for a show that's going to be called Rashomon, which is kind of a weird move because, like, I know it's a classic movie, but are, are enough younger audience members going to understand that reference? So I I, I don't know. I don't know I, what's going on here.
1: I don't know. Like, I, I feel it, it is weird. It feels like a bit of branding that I don't think it's going to – the people that this branding would resonate with, I don't think uh, this show might be the most appealing thing to. Uh, Chris, what do you think? I know you were kind of against this when this was mentioned yeah. in our news channel.
2: It's weird because, you know, several movies have been doing pretty much what this show says it's going to do, where it just takes the Rashomon effect and applies it to something else. Like, uh, there was a movie called Courage Under Fire with Denzel Washington and Meg Ryan, which did this. And even, like, Gone Girl technically does this, where it tells one story from different point of views. So uh, I'm fine with them borrowing that story element. It's just weird to me that they're going to go all out and actually call it Rashomon because – that's so specifically tied to the Kurosawa movie i just think it's it's weird to use that title but you know i guess i guess i'll have to wait and see how it turns out it's just my my immediate knee jerk reaction is please don't please don't use that title yeah
1: the title is a little weird the format of the show sounds like something that could be kind of cool um just as you know a way to format you know each episode but uh you know what i was saying in the slack channel Uh, After doing this for 14 years now, I am not quick to jump on the outrage train because I I remember when, you know, they announced that they were doing a Fargo TV series with, you know, without the Coen brothers, I was outraged. And, you know, that's one of my favorite TV shows. I remember when it was announced that David Fincher was doing a Facebook movie and we made fun of it. Like... Uh, And that turned out to be, I think, my favorite movie of that year. So, uh, you know, it's quick to judge, but it, it does seem a little, I don't know, a little weird that they're using the title of it, not like maybe saying it's inspired by Rashomon and not calling it Rashomon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like for an example of how this can go wrong, just look at the movie Vantage Point, which came out in like, I think, 2007, 2008. Uh, so just because that structure works for some things, it doesn't automatically work for others. But it sounds like and again, we don't know like who is going to be uh, directing or anything. We know that Daryl Frank and Justin Falvey, the co-presidents of Amblin TV, are executive producing this. But um, in terms of like actors and all that stuff, it's it's way too early to tell.
1: Okay, let's get to one last streaming uh, story before we cut off this podcast. And let's talk about uh, Charlie Brown. Uh, The new Peanut specials are
2: coming to Apple. Chris, tell us about this. I mean, yeah, that's that's the long and short of it. They're taking the the classic Peanuts characters, Charlie Brown and Snoopy and all the other kids with their giant heads, and they're coming to Apple's uh, streaming service. And they're going to be, there's a wide variety of what they're going to make. They're going to make tv shows they are going to make specials they haven't really nailed that down yet it's like an all encompassing deal and they're also going to try to make them educational so you know there's a little there's something for everyone here and uh now uh, i know you've been very
1: cynical about apple streaming service whatever that is you know and all the programming that they have announced but i also know that you are a fan of charlie brown
2: yeah, I, I wouldn't say I'm overly cynical about. It. I'm I'm cynical about everything, Peter. It's not just <laughs> Apple. <laughs> I don't know, but it seems like every time they announce a new thing,
1: like I hear the groan, like like psychically from you know through our Slack channel. <laughs>
2: like the, it's like Apple is making like a stew, and they're putting every ingredient in the kitchen in the stew. It's like every show. There's no like through line. It's like oh, there's a. M Night Shyamalan show, and then there's a morning show. Now we're doing Peanuts. It's just really, it's hard to get a grasp on what they're they're doing. So on that front, I am a little, I wouldn't say cynical. I'm just like curious as to what the hell they're doing. But uh, you know, as much as I love the Peanuts things, I, I haven't seen anyone get them right in a long time. I, I admit, I have I have not seen that movie, which I heard is good, the, the recent Peanuts movie. But you know, I, you know, I love. Great Pumpkin, I love the Christmas special, and that's about it. Pretty much every other adaptation isn't as good to me, but, you know, who, who knows? Ben,
1: you have recently had, like, a whole day of, like, playing... Was it the music from the...
0: <laughs> yes, the Vince Guaraldi trio. Uh, I've been, yeah, going all out, listening to that constantly this entire holiday season. Um, and, yeah, that music is so awesome, and I would highly recommend it. But also, yeah, I, I did see the Peanuts movie that came out in 2015, Chris, and it's, it's really, I mean it looks very cool it's like the visual effects i mean it's all like cg animation but it's it, it seems um it's like if you're going to take those characters and apply the cg animation style it looked about as good as it could look and the story was about as good as you could expect from a peanut story so if maybe the same people are involved there I, i'm not sure who is actually involved with this but it is possible to tell a decent peanut story in the modern era.
1: Yeah. I'm really curious what the style of this is going to be. I, I would love it for them to emulate the style of the original specials, the the hand-drawn style, but I could also see them going, you know, with that, you know, computer animated style from that movie, or they could do something like what those uh, recent Mickey Mouse shorts and, uh, duck, you know, the new version of DuckTales does where it's kind of like this retro modern combination um which i'm sure would not be appealing to chris at all
2: i don't know god peter i hate that you think i'm i hate (laughs) i'm not that people say this to me all the time i swear i am not that negative i i i do like things please everyone believe me out there i like some things okay chris where can people find you online Uh, You can find me at uh, SlashFilm.com, of course, and on Twitter at c evangelista 413
1: Ben, where can we find you? You can find me at SlashFilm.com as well. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Ben Pears. You can find me at SlashFilm on all social media. You can find all the stories we talked about on today's podcast linked in the show notes and on SlashFilm.com. This podcast, SlashFilm Daily, is published every weekday on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback Questions, comments, concerns, or life advice for Chris to peter at com. That's peter at com. And go to our iTunes page, uh, rate and review us. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.